Good morning. Would you stand to your feet? Come on, let's worship together today. Come on, put your hands together. Feelings, that's not why I'm seeing. 
would you take the next few moments and welcome someone to church today? Welcome to the assembly. We are so glad you're, that you're here with us today. It's awesome to look around and see everybody connecting and see a church that's that's healthy and just loving on people. I love to see my church family doing those things. Hey, if it's your first time here with us today, uh, we would just ask that you take a couple of seconds. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. If you'll fill that out and just uh, drop that in the offering bucket as it passes by here in a few moments, we want to connect with you and your family. A couple of announcements that we have of events coming up is this Wednesday morning, um, our kids team is going to be hosting an event called Let's Swim. And the kids team has been doing so many awesome things this summer and uh, just having a lot of fun. If you are looking for a way to, uh, to meet other families and a place for your kids to have a good time and just a day with, uh, with other people their age, this is a great opportunity. Lots of fun. It'd be $5 for each kid or $10 for an entire family. So check that out this Wednesday. Another thing that we have coming up is a big event that our young adults do every year is our Elevate Summer Pool Party. So Elevate, if you're ready for that, it's going to be a lot of fun. We always have tons of giveaways, free food and things going on. And so definitely come and check that out. That's going to be in two weeks from today. It'll be at 8 o'clock at the Burning Tree Pool over at 61st and Mingo. We'd love to have you 18 to 30 year olds there for that event with us. Well, as the ushers come forward, we have one more announcement to let you know about, and that is our Wednesday night classes. We have some opportunities that are going to be coming up, uh, some new opportunities of guys' classes and girls' classes. So if you haven't found a place that uh, you've been able to connect and found a class that's right for you, there's going to be some really great options. So we definitely encourage you to come next Wednesday and check those out. More information on that is in your bulletin if you want to look for those. Let's pray for this offering today. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. God, in so many areas, God, you are there. You are our provision and our provider, God. And so we just thank you. And we give back just cheerfully, Father, for the things that you've given us. And we pray that you'll use this offering, God, to, to be a light in this dark world, to be just a help to this community and a help to this world, Father. We pray it in your name. Amen.
as the buckets pass you, why don't you stand up? We're going to continue to worship. We're going to sing about his love today, the love that has overcome the world. That's where our confidence is this morning. Let's sing it out.
before you with such humility there's no other posture of our spirit that really fits in a time like this with our country in such crisis we are humble you are powerful we come to the end of ourselves we come to the end of worldly philosophies and strategies and self-help say that you are God beside you there is no other you are the one who created us you are the one who has given us a blueprint for how life can really function and thrive you are the one who brings freedom of the heart the mind and emotions you are the one who brings civility into culture and you choose to use us as the light of the world and the salt of the earth Lord the, the, the burden that we share for our country today it's not just out there it's right in our own heart it's right in our own devotion as well as the tremendous human need that is out there we just thank you that you're faithful that you are able and that you are willing if you believe that say amen as you remain standing we do want to have a a very strategic time of prayer. I know that we're all burdened. Man, my heart just broke as I watched what happened through the week. Louisiana, Minnesota, then on Thursday evening in Dallas. We want to pray for those who are grieving. We want to pray for those who continue to serve, to try and bring order. We want to pray against division. I think we really get it, and that is we, we elevate the battle beyond uh, people, flesh and blood is what Paul said, but that this battle is real and it's spiritual, but we don't wage war like the world does. That's what Paul wrote. We are going to apply weapons that have divine power, and what they do is we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is a pulling down of things that have exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. Things that cause people to think there's a remedy, there's a way of living that will work when it doesn't. And it ends up creating more hate, more division, less peace, loads of addiction. And we just live in a broken society. But the answer is Jesus. And we get to shine that light. Man, we are in the moment of, of opportunity out of this crisis. May God help us to be careful and to steward this opportunity. Could it be with the world at its worst, we could all be at our best? There's a curiosity out there. When people get desperate, uh, they will enter a conversation that before they weren't willing to have. And if we can have a, a, a heart of bold love, we can really speak 
into this and live in such a way that really makes a difference. I also want to ask any law enforcement officer, I want you to come today. We not only want to pray for you, but we're going to let you represent tens of thousands of people just like you. So if you're in the auditorium, you can come. I've asked our own security team to come. With our eyes closed, Lord, we want to look to you on behalf of this nation. Holy Spirit, we would ask that you bring comfort to those who are grieving. Lord, our hearts break for those whose hearts are broken. Holy Spirit, you have the power and the care to be so personal in your comfort to each person. We pray, Lord, that you would bring peace to this country. These walls of hate and animosity. We pray in the name of Jesus that we could somehow be used to be an answer to this prayer to let the love of God flow that will get rid of fear and will break down uh, division and cause there to be unity. Lord, sin is a cruel taskmaster. Sin leads to such destruction. And so we pray that we could live and model the power of your grace that brings freedom, that brings order to life. Lord, as the foundations upon which we were built as a country are just beaten in so many ways by cultural attitudes and norms that are so far from you, give us a boldness in our love. Lord, give us courage that will summon the other qualities that we will need in this hour to really represent truth, to represent truth in love, to walk out into human suffering with the kind of heart that you can use, with the kind of example that would bring honor to you. And it, it's like the way you would do it if you were here tangibly and physically. These men standing in front of us today, we thank you for them. We thank you for how they represent tens of thousands and such a significant role that they have in society. And we pray for them. We pray for their families. We pray, Holy Spirit, that there would just be something unique and special that could rise out of the tragedies of, of culture represented by the events of this last week. We're looking to you, Jesus, and 
your word says that you have such power that you can fit every thought, every emotion, every impulse into the structure of life that is shaped by Christ. Lord, that's the power that you have. And so if we can just apply these these weapons of prayer and faith in your power and the power of your word, which is truth, we wrap those together, Lord, in faith, then there can be uh, strongholds demolished. And Lord, that's the need in culture today for, for human philosophy that doesn't work, that has exalted itself against what does work to be brought down and it will not be brought down in any other way than by your people who are called by your name being willing to humble themselves and I'll say it humble ourselves and to seek your face to be the first to repent and turn from our wicked ways then you will hear us from heaven you will forgive our sins and you will heal our land Lord, that seems unimaginable when we see uh, the deep darkness that we're in right now. But it is your word and it is true and it remains true today. So with, with hope rising in our hearts, may the name of Jesus be spoken over this community. It is higher than any other name that is named. May it be spoken over this country. May it be spoken over, over people groups, Lord may be spoken over neighborhoods. We speak the name of Jesus in faith, believing that the power that is in who you are can be dispersed through your church. And perhaps, Lord, we would see an amazing revival. We trust you with that, Lord. Hear our cry. Jeremiah says that if we will call on the name of the Lord, you will hear us. You will answer us. You will actually hear us. You will answer us. And you will show us great and mighty things. You are mighty to save. You are mighty to deliver. You are mighty to protect. You are mighty to unite us. You are mighty, oh God. And so in the power of your might, may needs be met in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Let's show our love and appreciation one more time. Praise Jesus. As you're seated, we all recognize a new level of concern. And I know it's been growing in all of us, and rightfully so. We've been in a series from Proverbs, and the title of the series is Wisdom, and I think that this message that I give today is, is going to give us wisdom, but it's not from the Proverbs. It's not the message I was planning to preach. It started growing in me on Thursday as, like you, I was so troubled by the things I saw happening. In my week, the schedule held that I was in Los Angeles. I was preaching at a church on Thursday night. And when the young man picked me up to take me to church, I know him, we've, we've been friends now for a few years, and he just said to me as we were right in downtown L.A., he said, Ron, it's just different now. There was a, a heaviness about him 
at what had just happened, everything that had been going on. And he said, I've just never seen it like this. So we were just rehearsing current events. Into church we go, and when church was over, we went into this room to sit down to have dinner together, and all of our phones were lighting up with the breaking news of the tragedy in Dallas. There was a TV there. We turned it on and started watching it, as I know many of you were. And as I witnessed what you did, it just echoed the thoughts I was having. It reinforced the burden I was sharing, just so heavy, so troubled. And then as we, we left to, to go back to my hotel, there were people coming onto the streets, signs and scenes of, of protest. And you, you could just feel the, the intensity. And I watched into the night until I fell asleep. The events of Dallas woke up Friday morning, went to the airport, burdened by this, thinking about it, thinking about what this means and, you know, what's our role in all of this. While waiting on my flight to board, there was a little bookstore there, and so I was just kind of walking around, uh, passing the time, and I, I saw this book. And it's a book about the 33 miners that were trapped a 1,000 feet deep. You know the story. The movie came out called The 33. They were there 69 days. Engineers had given them a, a 2% chance of rescue. And their story was made into a movie, and the movie was, was made out of this book. But the book is not titled 33. The book is titled The Deep Down Dark. And when I'm walking around, and I, all this is kind of stirring in my heart, and I see that book, and I see the title it seemed to capture what I was feeling. We are in the deep down dark. Now, in that story of the deep down dark, specifically, these miners were trapped. There's, there's stone that's higher than two Empire State buildings that separate them from freedom. And they're seasoned in this. They know their situation is hopeless. They are desperate. And so one among the group looks at Jose Rodriguez, who was one of the only followers of Jesus among the men. And they said, would you pray? Now, this request for prayer came from a person who hadn't been interested in prayer, had no walk with Jesus. But when desperation hits, and you're in the deep down dark, you start thinking differently. And so he said, yes, I'll pray. And it's unique to his approach to God. He said, every time I pray, I get on my knees. And so I will pray for us, but we're all going to get on our knees. Nobody said, I'm not comfortable with that. Uh, you know, that's your way of praying. I have my way. You kneel, I'll stand, whatever. No, every man, they knelt, they prayed and then they started this reflection on the past and decisions they have made. It's like they were confessing things. Uh, they started talking about the future and things they may never be a part of. Because that's the way it happens when you're in the deep down dark. And as I reflected on their story and reflected on 
on that situation, I was then reminded of all the places in the Bible where we find people in the deep down dark. And out of that rises a gift. And I wondered if I should use the word gift because, you know, I hate to experience a good thing in situations that are so bad. But if there's one thing good that could come out of all of this chaos right now, I know there are probably many, but one would be that we would realize how desperate we are for God. Maybe in desperation, we recognize that differently than at any other time. Like when you're out of options, when you truly don't know what to do, all the resources you have at your disposal and yet none of them seem to have a response to what you're going through like you you really are trapped you you are desperate there is a clarity that comes in that moment about one's need for God that doesn't happen in any other time and maybe we can say yeah but but it's just a desperation move I don't care what it is. If it causes us to sense that without God we're hopeless, but that with him there is potential of a future and there is power to live and there is a way of freedom, then then I thank God for what humble desperation can cause us to think and to realize and to experience. When I think about desperation, I would like to bring some descriptions. You can add to this list. I just reminisced on this. When you're really desperate, like those men, like it feels in this country right now, there's a hopelessness, a helplessness. You feel powerless. You feel pushed to the limits. You you feel endless inadequacy. And when I bring this message today, yes, I'm speaking out of a burden for our country. I'm speaking out of a personal burden. I pray that you would filter this through your role in our community and in society. I pray that you filter this through where you may be in in your journey right now. And let all of us who have ears to hear receive what the Holy Spirit would like to say to us today. Because he's speaking, he's not silent, he, he has the word for this hour. And, and we're here to receive it into our hearts. Let me just tell you about a day in the life of Jesus. It's found in Luke 8, you don't have to turn there, we'll turn to another passage later in the message. But in Luke 8, there comes this point in the chapter where Jesus says to his disciples, let's get in the boat, we're, gonna, we're going to the other side. It's the Sea of Galilee. They get into this boat. It's a very familiar place for them. This, this body of water is, is not unique. Especially some of those disciples were seasoned fishermen and knew, knew this lake, knew the weather patterns, knew by where this Sea of Galilee was positioned that storms could hit. They could hit hard. They could hit fast. They could be fierce. So they, they knew that. They're on the boat and making their way across. It's about 13 miles, they say. And while they're going across, a storm breaks out. But this is an unusual storm. 
Yes, it's fierce. Yes, it's there on the Sea of Galilee where they've been many times. But there's something different about this storm. Until the point that these disciples are desperate, they feel they're going to die. You and I, when we read the Bible, we can read it and we know the end of the story. So we know it's not long before they're going to go to Jesus and say, do you even care that we're dying? Do you see what's happening here? We're going down and Jesus is going to wake up and he's going to speak to the wind and the waves and everything's going to be good. And so knowing the end of the story, we can miss you know, putting our hearts, trying to put them there in that moment where the rain is beating down in the faces of these disciples, where the wind is blowing and this boat that they're in is out of control. And, and you know they've tried everything that they know to do. That's what you do when you have experience, you have context, you have history, and you draw from that history. You draw from that experience and you apply all that you know to do And when you've done that and you say it's not working and we're helpless, we are powerless, we've been pushed to the limit, everything we have done hasn't worked, we are inadequate, that's that's where they are. And they go and it's Jesus. It's desperate, it's a cry. Jesus wakes up and he does speak to the wind and the waves and The storm is settled and all is calm and he's looking at them like, where was your faith? And they're looking at him and they say, who is this man? Now they've been with him every day, but when you see something like that, because you've been desperate, it's like you understand the deep down dark and you experience Jesus in his deliverance in your desperation, it causes an awareness and and a renewal in your life. But the story continues. As soon as the boat gets across, as they all get across, Jesus steps foot on the shore, and the person that encounters him is known to us as the demoniac. He's a young man with a legion of demons, like thousands. And the reason the description is there is because you have Jesus, one man, up against thousands. This young man is desperate. He's out of control. The Bible says no one's been able to help him. People have tried. Like he's, he's gone into some type of, of rehabilitation effort. It hasn't worked for him. He is out living in a cemetery. And we know how this story is going to end up. But for a moment, think about his parents. They're somewhere in a home living this out, stressed out, broken over what has become of their son. A son that they had hopes and dreams for. I'm sure that this young man that's now demoniac as a boy, he had, he had ideas of what he would be one day, never dreaming that that would be the result. And it is a picture of total desperation, hopelessness, powerlessness. Everyone's been pushed to the limit. Everyone's inadequate. Everyone is helpless. And in that desperation, Jesus steps in. And it's, it's not a fight. He doesn't have to battle it out. It's just the authority of Jesus immediately. And those demons, legions of them begin to submit. And that young man is delivered. And the story ends up saying that he was like sitting with Jesus in his right mind. They get back in the boat. 
come back across. And as soon as they come back across, there are crowds of people. And Jairus comes running into the crowd. He is this very respected man of means. He's, he's powerful. He's rich. But he's desperate because his daughter is sick. And everything he's done and his family's done hasn't worked. His daughter's getting worse. And in desperation, he's like, Jesus, could you please come to my house? While Jesus is on his way to a home where there's desperation, somehow through that crowd, this lady presses through. The lady, the Bible says, has been sick for 12 years. Now we know how it's going to end, and we just can say 12 years, and we know she spent all the money she had. She went to every source and resource, and nothing worked, and she's helpless, and she's powerless, and she's hopeless. She's been pushed to the limit. She's exhausted. She's, she's obviously inadequate, but not a year, not two, not six, not ten Not a decade, but 12 years. This has pushed her to the life of a recluse. It's one thing to have pain. I can tell you when when the pain is private, it's at another level. Think of the private pain that she has processed day after day, year after year. She is totally desperate. And while Jesus has just showed up to deliver in a desperate storm and a, for a desperate young man who was possessed of demons and on his way to Jairus' house because it's desperate, his daughter is sick, he stops the entire processional and says, someone has touched me, who was it? This little lady says, it's me. And Jesus says, it's all good now, go your way because your faith, it has made you whole. He even called her daughter. Which, what did that mean to this lady who who had lived as she had for 12 years? Meanwhile, people from Jairus' house come and say, sorry, Jairus, it's too late. Your daughter has died. What about his heart? What about his family? And he's desperate and Jesus says, take me to your house. Jesus brings resurrection life. Jesus brings healing. All of what I've told you is in one chapter. All of what I've told you is in one day. In each of these situations, just spend a little time putting your heart into it, putting your emotions in. What was it like on the boat? What was it like for the demoniac? What was it like for his parents? What about this lady who had been sick for 12 years? What about the home? Where the little girl is so sick and life is leaving her body. And in each one of these deep, down, dark, desperate situations, Jesus steps in and everyone in each story experiences deliverance. Could it be that what could rise out of the desperation of culture and our nation, could it be What could rise out of the desperation of your own story right now could be a gift. And what would that gift be? That gift would be desperation. Because in desperation, 
There are a series of things that happen. Let me put them on the screen. When we're desperate, I just wrote some things down. You drop pride. Nothing else has worked. If you have to pray on your knees, then you don't care anymore because you're desperate. You finally come clean. You get real. You say, this is how I'm really living. There is a surrender. Desperation will literally push us to the edge of what I would call beautiful or sincere, powerful surrender. How many times do we, in reality, offer partial surrender? When you're desperate, you say, Lord, you can have it all. No more pretense. Like there's a submission that happens. That's where we say, I'm willing to change my approach. This is where someone hits the bottom and says, okay, I am an alcoholic. I'm through denying it. I am addicted. No more faking it. Our marriage is not going to work unless we have a breakthrough, unless we find something that we haven't found yet. No more pride. Full surrender, total submission, willing to make changes. This could be the gift of desperation. I'm not done. I just feel a leading to pray, Lord. And there's so much success. So many good things. There's levels of peace. So much self-help. Sometimes we don't recognize that we're partially surrendering, that we are not fully devoted, that we do love you, but it's, it's a love like the church at Revelation. It has been, it has been minimized. It's, it's not first. Maybe I'm talking, Lord, right now today to someone who can hardly think of the national crisis because of their personal desperation. Lord, help us as a church, help us as individuals to see there could be a gift. There could be a gift in this. The gift of desperation. Even now, let pride come down. Let it drop. Let surrender rise, real and full surrender. Let honesty overtake hypocrisy. Let submission overtake trying to figure it out in our own. Let's be willing to change our approach. If you accept that, just say an amen today. Here's... Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 10. And if you're saying, wow, he just prayed and now he's reading the text, how long are we actually going to be here? We're almost done. Exodus 14, verse 10. 
as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. They were hopeless because they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. It says they cried out to the Lord. And that's going to become important here in a little bit. It's not all they said. They said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? This is the way fear talks. They don't mean this. We know they don't mean it. They have cried for years, for decades, to break out of the bondage of Egypt under the cruel taskmaster called Pharaoh. And now, 400 years of slavery broken and they're being let out. But now they come to a point where it's desperate. They're in the deep down dark. You have Pharaoh and 600 chariots carrying his greatest warriors and the Red Sea in front of them. And it's, they're helpless and they become hopeless and they're powerless and they're inadequate. Do you see it? Do you see the, the repetition of that in each of these scenarios? And, and for them, they start out right. They're about to cry out to the Lord, but quickly that dial, that focus of going to the Lord shifts and it becomes more of a natural, more of a horizontal thing. And, and we all know what that's like. We've all done this. And they're like, why'd you even bring us out of here? Notice, they said, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Go back and read this story. Nobody said that. Nobody said, okay, you, we, here we are in horrible slavery. You lead us out, though, and it's not going to work. Nobody said that. But, like, you can think you did when you're desperate, when you're in fear. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. This is how the natural mind can race with thoughts when when we feed ourselves with fear. I want to make a few observations about everything we've talked about and lead us to a time of prayer. The, one, the first one would be, may we look to God. The gift of humble desperation is that it can turn us to God. And it's not just turning us to God, but may we look to God recognizing His power. I ask it, Last week, I asked it again, do we really believe that God is the answer for our own heart, our own home, our community, and our world? Is God the hope of the world? Does God have the power to bring about the answers you seek, the power you need, the answers culture is seeking, and the power community needs? Is God the God of power? I'm saying he is. And if you feel the same, may we recognize that again and may we look to God in his power and may we ask God to look at us because when an all-powerful God who at the same time is all-loving is inclined to your heart, you will feel the ministry of his love. You will feel the ministry of his care and it is one of the blessings that rises out of true desperation. Like the Bible says, he tracks every tear. 
Remember praying over the years and those prayers would move you at times to weeping. He's tracked every tear. How personal is that? And that, that kind of, of sensitivity and being so personal is also the same God who's all-powerful. I would say let's recognize the presence of God in each of these situations that I rehearsed for you. The disciples, they looked to Jesus. It was the presence of Jesus that made the difference. For the demoniac, it was the presence of Jesus. For the lady who was sick, it was the presence of Jesus. For Jairus' daughter, it was the presence of Jesus. Once again, God, may we be aware. May we have a, a consciousness that is about your presence. May we have a sensitivity that you're with us. And may we desire your presence. May we not think about you occasionally. May we not tack you into our thinking at some point along the way, but may we walk carefully, circumspectly. May we walk in your presence. May we walk in the Spirit. Make us aware of your presence, Lord. David said this, where can I go from your presence? David is is a, a man who said, he said, when I awakened, you were there. And he's given this amazing like, series of metaphors about the darkness as a type of life. And he says, when I awakened out of that darkness, you were there. As, and what David is saying is that the darkness didn't scare you away. The darkness didn't make you frustrated where you gave up and walked away. Even the darkness is light to you. Now remember who's saying this. This is David saying, you saw me, God, when I was being formed in my mother's womb. Like, like so small, starting to be formed. And yet at that moment when I was still being formed, you had put my life like pages in a book and you had numbered my days. And you knew when I was being formed that there would be a chapter titled Adultery. And you knew that there would be a, a chapter titled murder. And knowing those would be chapters, you didn't forsake me. With my book having those chapters, you didn't walk away from me. You didn't say you're on your own. You figure it out. No, even the darkness was light. To you, and because of your great power, those were just chapters. They were not the whole book. And you wrote more chapters, and the book ended with a chapter Man after God's own heart. How powerful is God that He could come into our sin, He could come into our shame, He could come into our weakness. And that even our darkness is like to him. And no matter how far you go, he's there. Go, go as far as you can go and you'll just run into him. When Jonah thought he was running away from God, in fact, he ran into God. And in the desperation, it becomes a gift where we recognize he is the source. He is the answer. Sin doesn't hold 
the, the kind of, of lasting satisfaction. It's only fun for a season. There is a way that seems right, but when you get desperate, you realize that that way is a way of destruction, but that living for God and honoring God and, and living by the word of God and putting it above anything else and humbling yourself and being obedient to her, that's where the victory is. That's where freedom is. That's where relationships function. When we get desperate, we're reminded of what is really true. And it's where we'll throw off pride and say, you know, I've known this, but I haven't lived it. I've sat in church week after week and, and allowed these things to be going on in my life. But I can't do that anymore. I can't. I, I don't have the option of living this week like I lived last week. The presence of God. If we don't look to God, the language of our desperation will be like that of the Israelites. We, we will just speak fear into our lives and we will live in stress and there will be emotional disorder and physical problems, all a result of how we are talking to ourselves. But if we will look to God, then the language of desperation becomes crying out. All you have to do is cry out. You, you may not even know the words to use. God is real good at hearing even prayers that are offered with an ache. Like a, I'm hurting God. And how do I even say this? Just cry out. Because he understands. He gets it. And he responds to the cry of his sons and his daughters. Just cry out. That's the language of desperation. God, I can't do this. God, I have no response to this. I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom. No one around me can fix this. Lord, I'm in the deep down dark. Help. Look at our country, Lord. The most chaotic political season that I've ever seen the most division, the most strife, hate and addiction, pain, broken homes, broken lives. What do we do? Help! Help us, Lord. We're powerless, we're helpless, we're inadequate. But Lord, you're all powerful. You can do this. You've rebuilt nations. You've rebuilt people. You've rebuilt families. God, the demoniac serves as an example. Nothing is too hard for you. Help us, Lord. So, closing thoughts, don't speak fear into your own life. When the disciples saw that storm calmed by the power of Jesus, they said, who is this? Well, they knew who he was. What, what's going on there? When you have a breakthrough that rises out of your desperation, you cry out and he hears you, he answers you, and he shows you great and mighty things. It's like 
you meet him for the first time all over again. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's like you know him, but when you experience him in the deep down dark, it's like you meet him again for the first time. Finally, Paul said to Timothy, in the last days, perilous times will come. The word perilous in the Greek is exactly the Greek word used to describe the demoniac. So what, what we can take from that is if we want to understand what perilous means, just look at the demoniac. So the last days will be personified by what we see in the life of the demoniac. What, what do we see? Out of control. So Paul goes on to say, when these perilous times come, men will become lovers of pleasure, lovers of self, and just list the, the horrible life that's a result of perilous times. So we can say, in the last day, there will be demonic times. But notice how that story with the demoniac ended. A legion of demons, so thousands of them, and no one could help him because, you know, they could not, they couldn't equal the odds. They couldn't overcome. And Jesus, one man, when he steps foot into that guy's life, immediately every demon is in submission to the all-powerful God, Jesus Christ. And it ends up going from a, a man in perilous times, a demoniac. He's, he's in his right mind. What was that like for him? To go from addiction to freedom, being out of control to spirit of peace. Was his mom and dad there? When the miracle happened, I don't know. Or maybe they were at home because it's just another day where they're grinding, wondering, praying, hoping, heartbroken for the condition of their son. And maybe a knock comes on the door and they open the door and it's their son. And they can see it in his eyes. He doesn't have to say anything. They can see it. Freedom has come. He's not who he was. His past will not be his future. So even the end times that are perilous, it's not, so go home, hunker down, lock the doors, wait there until Jesus comes. It's this is our finest hour. We can be at our best. Light can shine now as never before. Curiosity is rising where people like those Chilean miners. Hey, you pray, you pray. Will you pray now? I'm desperate. How about you? How about for you? How about for your home? How about for your future? What, what is the Lord saying today? What is he saying to you? I believe he's saying to us, if you look closely, there's a gift rising out of the chaos, and it's the gift of desperation. And every great deliverance that we have talked about today and all that you see in the Bible 
all of those great deliverances rose out of desperation. Because it pushes you to see things like you've never seen them before. Or it pushes you back into the reality that you've lost. Holy Spirit, we just come before you now. Maybe you would like to get on your face before the Lord. I'd like to open up that opportunity for you to move from your seat to come somewhere around the front here and just find a place to seek God, to cry out. Once we've had an opportunity to make that choice and act on it, then I will begin to just encourage you in that and begin to pray over us and we're going to begin to speak the name of Jesus so why don't everybody just stand where you are just everyone standing and then if you feel that that burden for your life for your home for this country you could come if if it fills up we'll fill up every aisle we'll we'll just come together as a people of faith and humble ourselves in our desperation hallelujah Hallelujah. As people are coming, Susie, why don't you lead us in this awesome song?
as we're before the Lord, I would like to pray some scripture over us today. I want you to hear this. Jeremiah says, Heavenly Father, you are the sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You've done this by your great power and your outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. So this is what I would pray, and you take these sentences, you take these words and begin to personalize them. Lord, today we confess to you that we are overwhelmed. But we are thankful that you have authority over all things. Heaven is your throne and the earth is your footstool. Therefore, anything over my head is under your feet. It is in this secret place of the Most High that we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my help. David said, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. Lord, we join the attitude that David had in saying, it's bigger than us, but it's not bigger than you. We're powerless, but you're all powerful. It's not too hard for you. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you bring peace to this country? In the name of Jesus, would you bring order to the chaos. In the name of Jesus, would you bring freedom to the addicted? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, would you heal marriages that are broken and bring a spirit of reconciliation? Cause them to be reconciled and closer than ever. Lord, we pray for marriage this institution that you have ordered. We pray, Lord, for marriage that is between one man and one woman. We pray over the sanctity of this institution, over, Lord, the sacredness of every marriage. And may it be honored as not a contract, but as covenant between a man and a woman made before an almighty, holy God. And Lord, if we will have that heart and that attitude, you will come with power. David said, lead me to a rock that is higher than I, that I might daily perform my vows. You will empower us to live out the commitments that we have made to you and to others. So we pray that in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word promises that the one who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Your word also says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So our prayer today, Lord, is help us. We need your truth in us. Help us to be honest 
not to allow a category in our character or in our heart to remain disobedient and nurtured by carnal thoughts. We bring every area of our lives beneath your lordship. David said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Search us today, God. We are being tempted. Just bring us clarity of the result of that today. Bring us back to godly order and reality. Lord, help us with this today, God. Let me add this to this prayer. Proverbs 27, 7 says, But to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. So Jesus, we're asking you today that any thought that we would have for a harmful substance would become bitter in our thinking. So Lord, our prayers, would you restore a taste for what is good? If someone's being led away of their own lust and they're being enticed, Lord, stop them in their tracks. Restore in them a taste for what is good. Make what they're going for very bitter. Someone has been led away and enticed. That sin has happened in the name of Jesus. Bring mercy. Bring grace, bring freedom. God, according to your word in Proverbs 28, blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. God, keep our hearts soft toward you. Keep our hearts tender. Lord, so many things in culture would threaten our heart to make us filled with animosity and anger and frustration maybe life experiences in our history make us question life, make us question you make us question your goodness and our hearts get hardened God keep our hearts soft we pray just immerse our hearts in the oil of your Holy Spirit, in the water of life until there is there's that flexibility, there's that tenderness so that our hearts can hold the, the new wine of your Holy Spirit that you would like to pour out into us for this hour. Lord, your word, it likened our heart to an old wineskin that becomes new. We don't need something new. We just need what we have to be renewed. Renew our hearts, Lord. Restore the joy of our salvation. Take not your Holy Spirit from us.
want to transition now from praying scripture to just focusing on the presence of the Lord. Susie, take us into it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. To just recognize his presence today. She sings us, just lift your hands and let the word and the spirit now be linked together as divine power in your life to demolish any stronghold that has exalted itself in you that would be against what God has for you. Let's enter that right now. It's your breath in our lungs. So control.
good it is, Lord, to dwell together in unity and in your presence. What a blessing it is, Lord, to meet you in a manifest way like you, you had this deposit to make in us today. Lord, help us to connect it. it it's a response to desperation. So, Lord, we just give you honor. We give you praise. We thank you for your long-suffering toward us. We thank you, Lord, for not dealing with us according to our sin. We thank you for your steadfast love and your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you, God, for seeing us when we were being formed and yet knowing our days and not forsaking us, knowing that we would mess up, that we would sin, we would miss the mark, we would fall short. Thank you for abiding with, uh, with us and loving us and convicting us and drawing us. Thank you for being like Hosea that just kept going, beckoning Israel to come home, beckoning us as sons and daughters to return in our hearts, to turn, return in our devotion, to return to holiness, to return to having an awe of you and a, a reverence for you and an obedience to you and to take this seriously, to never trivialize your greatness, to never trivialize the things that you have set in order, but to honor those things and to know that as we do, that is where the strength is. That's where the freedom will be experienced. And so we hear you, Lord. We hear you. And we will walk in this in Jesus' name. If you receive it today, why don't we give the Lord a, this a great victorious clap offering. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, we have a group that's just come back from St. Louis. They've been serving Jesus. I'm so proud of them. Show them your love today. Proud of every one of you. We have a couple from our church that's already in Uganda. I'm leaving this afternoon to go join them. And then from there, I'll join our team that leaves this week from Malawi. Man, serving pastors in these nations, serving children, schools, orphanages. It's amazing. And so be in prayer for all of those team members. And let's just reach out to our neighbors in love. Let's hold some conversations. Let's get into those conversations with love and, and a heart for them. And let's keep serving the world. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great afternoon. You're dismissed.